Good afternoon. This is Chicky, and I am just so thrilled to have back by popular demand a Katerina Walter. And, and she has written, uh, well, she wrote a new book. It was actually uh, a bit uh, more than a year ago now, but uh, it just came to my attention, and it's called The Power of Visual Storytelling. And uh, it, it really is an amazing uh, work of pulling together uh, a lot of information about how to use visuals and videos and social media to market your brand. Before we dive into the book, hey, Katerina, welcome back. Thank you so much, Chiki. Great to be here. Why don't you tell us just a little bit about yourself for those who didn't have the benefit of listening to our previous interview, which was about your book, Think Like Suck. Um, always, always an interesting question. It makes you think, where, how far back do I start? But uh, you know, my, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a marketer, right at heart. I'm, I've always been passionate about marketing. I've done a number of different, sort of served a number of different roles um, within that realm. My favorite was, was definitely uh, digital marketing and social media marketing. And I was lucky enough to get. Um, it, it, to, to, to really truly dive in and become um, sort of one of the first people who looked at it from a corporate perspective. And now it's, I want to say, 10-ish years ago, right back when there was no blueprint. And, and it made it all kinds of fun because the, you got to create the blueprint, you got to build, you got to try new things. And, and so, so that, was, that was definitely um, and will always probably be my, my favorite. And being very much a social butterfly, right, the this, this social media really truly resonates with me. So I've, I have had fun in the past and, and still have fun building either brand communities or my own communities, and I feel like communities are at the center of everything. So, right. you well, know, I've done that. Uh, no, I was just going to say you, you had the benefit of being what I call an intrapreneur. So you got to be within this amazing machine called Intel, uh, with the comfort of a salary and and certainly the the comfort of, of the culture that is at Intel, which really encourages that entrepreneurial spirit, which not everybody gets uh, to experience that. Yes, you know, I have to say that the very few companies um, are really cut on a cutting edge and really truly allow the spirit of entrepreneurship to to bloom, and so I was one of the lucky ones for sure. Um, where you know we've got to, and I've got to build and create the teams and strategies um, on a global scale to help a variety of our you know business units and, and geographies really truly um, embrace the digital transformation strategy and implemented in real time and so you know but but it wasn't just me I've, I've always worked and reached out to other companies who were at the time doing it because that's the only way we got to learn and now obviously there's you know a ton of information around it and then when I left Intel which was oh gosh now close to five-ish years ago four or five something like that and um, mm -hmm. and I decided to jump in the world of startups um, and um, I've co-founded a startup that was specifically very, very much focused on um, building and nurturing advocacy, whether it is customer advocacy or employee advocacy or influencer sort of marketing um, programs and groups. Um, and so we've had a software that then um, um, got bought by Sprinkler, where I have been for the past three years 
serving as a global evangelist and, and, and doing all kinds of fun things um, in the last couple of years, specifically helping our clients, um, our you know, large enterprise clients, build the digital transformation and customer experience management strategies um, within their companies in a way that would touch, that would really help them sort of break silos and really truly touch all the relevant sort of functions um, because to date, you know, it's been really tough for companies to bring everything into sort of one perspective, not just one brand voice or one brand story or approach, but just even building sort of unified view of a customer across different functions, such as marketing and customer care and sales and, you know, the list goes on. And so so that's that was one of the biggest hurdles to really truly drive digital transformation. And our clients are saying, look, if, if we are to delight customers, if we, if we are to create great customer experiences, and that's, you know, those things we need to look at, which is, you know, people, processes, and technology that we need to really truly drive that forward. So, you know, that's been a lot of fun, and obviously I have a number of uh, passion projects um, that I've done, such as uh, writing books, writing blogs, uh, speaking. Um, really love to share the knowledge with others around what have I done, what what, what I've tried, and sort of that uh, – that's always a lot of fun to you know get together with different groups across the industries and talk about the trends, what's possible, and what um, right. what we can all do better. Right. Well, and you you kind of skipped over the early part of your story, and and while I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, you know it's it's uh, really significant that you are not only um, you know someone who who came to the U.S. Uh, from abroad, uh, and, and you came from Russia. You got your degree, your your bachelor's uh, at the state university, and then you went on to work for uh, the, the highway uh, department of looking at road and weather and information systems. And, and how did you get from Russia to Anchorage, Alaska, and then, you know, that time that took you up to coming to Intel. Can you can you give us the the capsule of that? And by the way, for those of you, of you listening to this, uh, Ekaterina won't probably tell you this, but she has a TED talk that also tells the story in a really cool way. Oh, thank you. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that was a very personal one. But uh, yeah, it's you know really proud of the fact that. Um, I'm, I am um, here, and I'm able to do um, way more with my life than than I ever imagined when I was growing up. And right. um, I've I came, you know, to the United States in my early 20s, and and finished my bachelor's degree. Started working for really great companies like Wells Fargo and Accenture, and really driving interesting projects. Was always lucky to land in the roles with with fantastic most of, well most of the time with fantastic managers, but also really interesting teams, and learn a lot from that. Um, so so yes, it's you know the, the being being an immigrant and getting an opportunity to really truly you know, shape the life you, you want based on the hard work and the right. knowledge you have, that's, you know, that is really, truly an honor. And I think I think a lot of times we, we're going to get jaded here, right, especially uh, for, for some of us who grew up, uh, you know, in the country. I think sometimes we lose the sight of how much of a privilege that is. So I'm, I'm, I'm truly honored and, and uh, continue to be amazed at the opportunities that I have been given. Um, 
and was able to explore. And you know, honestly, you know, from there I um I did get an MBA later on, um, but very specifically in international studies because I've always been fascinated by um, international relations, international business, and, and I've always thought that that as we explore sort of the, how we do business globally, we have to consider a lot more than just the basics of how do you run business, right? It has to Absolutely. do with culture and, again, the storytelling that we're going to talk <laughs> about. So, so, so really, I mean, it was a really interesting path, but, but honestly very humbled to be able to um, get to where I am right now. Well, I, I love your story, and as you know, uh, you actually play an important role in my new book, uh, which has the same name as, as this broadcast of The Game Changer, and, and I elected to have a man in his 60s be the, the kind of protagonist in, in my book who is also an immigrant and you know, has, has roots in Russia. And, and it's a novel, it, you know, it's a fictional story, but I told it in Forrest Gump-esque nature where I brought in real people and, and had him in a very difficult situation where he found himself listening uh, to, actually to our interview, right, from, from a couple of years ago when I was uh, talking to you about Think Like Suck. And, and in the book and in, in the story, he then goes on to listen to your TED Talk because it strikes a chord with him because, you know, your, your grandmothers uh, shared a lot in common. And, uh, you know, tell the story of the power of, of moving on from whatever you think should be holding you back. And, and for some of our listeners, it's not being an immigrant. It's maybe not having a college degree. Well, like right, me, correct. Right? right. And, and so here I, I always look with great interest and, and you know, some bit of, uh, of longing at listening to the story of people who've gone to Thunderbird, right? You know, I mean, that would be my, just my dream to get uh, a, a degree in international management from, from Thunderbird. However, when I look back on my life, right, I have had uh, a doctorate degree in international business and entrepreneurialism just from how I've lived. So my, my message to our listeners today as we hear your story and as, you know, as they pursue le learning more about that is that no matter where you're from, you know, whether it's a, a town in Russia or, or in, in Iowa, right, and whether you've got uh, advanced degrees or no degree, that really the world is your oyster. And one of the things I also hope that, that people take away as we uh, start to talk about your book, The Visual Power of Storytelling, is that whether you're a brand that is trying to tell your story or you're an individual that's trying to sell yourself into a brand or into a company to try to get your chance, um, you know, this is going to be a really practical, practical way to get there. We are all brands. I keep telling people, you know, <laughs> it's funny, I, I've been talking to a number of executives lately who are looking at, you know, how do I reconcile working for a company and being a voice of that company and being sort of my own personal brand and, and some of the struggle with it. And I say, look, we are, we are 
this is us. You you are just one person, and you're professional and personal. It's just you. All of the things that comprise who you are, um, you know, it, it's all the same person, but you are a brand. Every single one of us now mm-hmm. is in this digital and social age. That's the reality. Every single one of us is a brand. So so when we say brand, right, it's sort of this asterisk next to it that said that that's <laughs> probably the explanation of um, it doesn't necessarily have to be a company. It it could be a person. It could be any sort of institution. It could be a particular community because everything and everybody is a brand, and that's because that's the brand is the perception and re, uh, sort of that, that people have about you, right? So the reality right. is everybody has a brand. But, but yes, I mean, you're right, I think. I think I, I keep telling folks, look, if, if I was able to do it, you can do it. And and it's interesting. I think the biggest thing, though, that holds us back isn't necessarily a an opportunity, right, or presence of an opportunity. Right. Um, I think we might have them. We just might not be, be able to recognize them or see them. And a lot of times we don't because we're afraid. And and you you need to... You need to understand that, yes, you might have a big goal. A goal might look big right now, but how do you eat an elephant? You know, one piece at a time. <laughs> exactly. And so, you know, I every every day I wake up, I look back at my life, and I go, wow, how did I get there? And the answer is very, very simple. It's It's a process, right? You lay out a plan, you go step by step, and with every step you get closer to your goal, and sometimes it leads you to something even more wonderful than you have ever predicted. So you have to start somewhere, but I think we're so afraid because we'll look at the end goal we'll want to achieve, and it seems so large, but if you really break right. it down into steps, the path might take you, the journey itself is more fun. The path might take you <laughs> in some places you've never expected. So, you know, exactly. if I could do it, everybody can, I think. Well, it's so interesting that, that we're having this particular show today. Um, because I just got back from Denver, and I was working with a woman who I had never met, but we were introduced uh, about eight weeks ago, and just started talking. She was building a new business uh, based on some things she had done in the past, and so I was giving her different assignments of, of how she could begin to eat that elephant one bite at a time. But when I went out there, I, I uh, right before I got there, I asked her to put together a vision board, right, of, of cutting out pictures out of magazines that help tell the story not of what she wants to do, but like after it's all done, like looking back and seeing the components of the success. And then, you know, I, I asked her yesterday um, to sit down and actually write a story that she would tell to somebody you know, sipping umbrella drinks by the pool on an island somewhere after she's already succeeded, right? And and she has handed over the company to someone else or sold the company. I mean, whatever whatever that exit for her was. And and so today it occurs to me that that was a type of visual storytelling. Now I know that you're going to be talking a lot about the things that we can do uh, online because there's so many amazing tools available to us. But let's start by talking about the rise of visual storytelling. You know, it's um it is um it's definitely not new, right? We've we've <laughs> we we have uh drawn for years and centuries and and I think 
um, depends on, on sort of uh, which expert you talk to. The language existed about only for about five to seven thousand years. So, so the visual, the drawings, um, and, and the, the, the way we process information are very visual. It's in our nature. It's, it's, it's very natural. You know, scientists say that human brain processes visuals 60,000 times faster than text. I mean, 60,000 times. Can you imagine? You think your brain is fast enough? Um, or you might have you know, an advanced degree in speed reading. But the reality is, is visuals is how we consume the information, how we process it, right? So um, it, it, a lot of times it's hard for our mind to, 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 um, to look at information and, and process it without any particular visual stimulation. And, you know, nowadays it's, it's crazy. Every 48 hours, according to Google, we're cranking out and producing the same amount of information we produced from the beginning of time till the year 2003. I mean, like literally not far back, right? I mean, that's the amount of information we have, and now we're swimming and we're, we're, we're drowning in, in information. A lot of it is online, obviously, but it's everything around us, right? So, so you look at that and you go, well, <laughs> all of the... Uh, search engines even and social networks are coming up with a filtering system to help you um, avoid that uh, the, the, the being be, being drowned in it, right? So it, it, it produces filters to, to to tell you what might be you might be interested in either in your behaviors or or the most popular um, elements, right? So that is how we now fish out the information. So um, the the, the question then becomes to us as brands, whether we're people, we're, whether we're organization, how do we grab that mind share? And you know what? People's attention spans are shortening extremely. They're now very, very short. Um, it's, it's about every year it's getting shorter and shorter, and, and now it's about between three and eight seconds is, is all you have to grab somebody's attention. And if the visual is, is, is your brain process visuals better, logical assumption is, how, how do I stand out? How do I stand out in the age of infobicity, right? You stand out by um, through several things. I think it's two, really. One is visual storytelling. What is the visual that will grab your attention and then direct you to want to find out more, to read more, or will connect with you emotionally? So that's one. And the second one is probably advocacy, right? Um, your friend suggested you look at something. Your friend suggested, recommended you buy something, right? Your friend suggested you connect with somebody, right? So, so those are, to me, you know, two big <laughs> ways to really, truly stand out and get yourself noticed, um, and since only 8% of our customers think we really do a great job with serving them um, as companies, right, very, very low percentage, uh, to me, the content sort of, and, and the power visual storytelling becomes really, really, you know, significant play, especially if you're trying to grab new attention, right, from people who maybe right. never connected with you or bought from you, where you can't rely on a personal, you know, friends or family recommendation. So, so, but because of the rise of digital and the rise of the amount of content we're producing, right, this is the, the way you um, 
really leave the imprint on people's hearts is through storytelling because that's that's emotional right this is your opportunity to really truly connect with somebody either around some passion points or the the information you've provided whatever that is and 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 um what did you call it you you talked about uh <laughs> yeah we can bring that up the boring storytelling what did you call it sanitized sanitizing that's right that's what that's what companies have been taught to do, I mean, whether it's in their advertising story. or their PR, uh, even in their sales brochures, because it's sanitized because it takes all of the humanity out of it because it makes it about product or service as opposed to passion and need. I love it. Sanitized storytelling, that's fantastic because that's exactly what it is. I am bored, bored, bored. Don't talk to me about you. Don't, you know, I mean, it's like that is, that is a, that's the thing. You know, brands beat themselves in the chest and go, look at me. You know, look how awesome I am and my products will do all the things for you. Oh, this is all great and fantastic, but who are you? What are your values? What do you believe in? Why would I connect with you? Forget buy from you. Just connect with you to begin with why would i be a part of your tribe part of your community um you know why do you think you're so awesome right and so so i think the better better way to really truly connect emotionally connect with folks around you is is through storytelling and the visuals becoming a big part of it right there are so many new visual styles that popped up in the past five years right you have infographics you have animated files just so gives depends on how you how you say it, right? You have cinemagraphs, right. really cool, very cool way um, to, to produce interesting images, right? I mean, the list goes on and on. There's just so many visual elements, and the video is blowing up, and, you know, live video, regular video, 360-degree view video, you know, VR, right, is taking off. I mean, all of those things are experiences, and all of them are very much visual experiences, and so a lot of companies are looking at how, instead of how do I pitch my message or how do I shape my marketing campaign, it to how do I tell the story in a way that will really connect and resonate. Right, right. Well, you know, as, as we take a look at all these tools, it can get overwhelming. In fact, I just had to look up Cinemagraph because I hadn't even heard of the term. But uh, you, can, you can believe that when we're done, I will know all about it. But how do we keep up? How do we best keep up with all of these different types and tactics of, of visual marketing? I mean, I know your book has, has just a wealth of information. In fact, you've got about 32 pages um, in, in this particular section of the book that breaks it down. So, so after reading your book and, and really grabbing a hold of, of what toolbox looks like, right, what, what do we have at our disposal to tell the story, how do I keep up with it? You know, you're right. The book has all kinds of things on how to build your strategy to to the tools around all of those different formats to different examples and ideas of what you can do around different social networks because that's where most of the time you tell your stories, right? Um, blogs, forums, and then social networks. So the, but but that's that's 
always changing, right? So the, you, this is a good question because you, nothing stays stale. So there's some tools, for example, that are really, really cool, but tomorrow you're going to have something else, That's some right. others that pop up that are really fantastic. And, and then, you know, today one network is here, tomorrow it gets replaced by another. It's always there's so many channels out there that you need right. to keep up with. And, you know, my man's and simple is you have to be a self-learner. You just said, I just, you know, you mentioned something I didn't know. <laughs> what is the first thing you did? You pulled it up. You looked it up. Right, you, right. you, you really, you got to stay curious, you know, and, and that goes into another topic of, you know, how do you hire some of the best people? I, I, I wrote an, an article on Inc. recently about what are the, you know, here's the, the questions that even some of the most experienced um, hiring managers are not asking, and there are all kinds of questions that, that are that are sometimes funny, sometimes weird, but they're all destined to look beyond the resume. And so one of the things that I, I talk about is the biggest thing for me when I'm hiring is to understand whether the person is a self-learner, self-starter or not, right? You can have the best ideas in the world. If you don't execute on them, they're dead. Um, you could, you know, you could have the best knowledge and experience in the space. And like you said, you can have all kinds of advanced degrees. But if you're not self-learner, you're never going to pivot and pivot in the real-time way, in a relevant way to the company, right? So, so everything I've done, especially in social and digital that I talked about earlier, it was all self-learned, right? And not necessarily by reading the articles and magazines and subscribing to the right things. It's also by reaching out to people in your industry and outside your industry, within your company and outside your company, to really truly connect with folks who are pioneering something, right? You, the, the, the best way to really truly stay informed and stay ahead of the trends is to reach out and try to understand who's talking about it, what trends do I not know about, what, where's the charter, uh, you know, the chatter online starting that I need to look into, what are those topics, how could I continue to be a pioneer and pivot, and that's the hardest thing because, you know, we're so busy sitting in our cubicles doing our thing, but you have to find number of hours in a day to really, truly read, explore, reach out, uh, have lunch with new people, and, and, and try to understand what the ecosystem looks like and what is that next wave where is it going to move into that is how you stay relevant informed and ahead of the curve and that's how you honestly advance your career as well right well and and that is just so true so let's talk a little bit uh, you, you alluded to the importance of social networks in this whole thing so once you've mastered or, or at least begun playing with the various tools that are available. And let's just talk initially about building your own personal brand. Um, and so, so you've decided to do that, you've researched, and, and now it really is all about the power of the platform and, and how you get your message out. And social networks can't be ignored anymore. You know, I mean, I remember having this dialogue four or five years ago where, where people were just taking a wait and see approach. And, you know, maybe they had their toe in LinkedIn uh, because, you know, it was kind of necessary to be a part of that business um, yellow pages, if you will, right? Um, but they weren't playing in Twitter for sure uh, because they felt like everybody was just saying what they had for breakfast. Um, maybe they played with Facebook a bit because that's where their family was or that's where their kids 
<laughs> was, but but obviously all of those things have have developed, and there have been. Uh, you mentioned Medium.com, which I, I love the format of of the blogging that happens there, and and you know just the level of transparency. There's absolutely nothing sanitized about Medium. Um, so so talk to me about the power of the platform, and and when you're really just setting out. Um, is it better to be an observer for a while? Is it is it better to dive into one place, you know, wholeheartedly? What do you recommend to people? It's um, it, it's it's honestly the best approach is to try it out and see for yourself. You know, I keep telling executives that you don't understand um, the power of social because you've never used it yourself, right? <laughs> so. Um, here's the thing is I know we're all overwhelmed, and I'll be the first one to tell you I'm not on all the networks, right? Um, I heavily prefer the three, beyond beyond blogging, right? Beyond I'm not talking medium on my blog or other uh, uh, publications right. I write for, um, but I'm talking social specifically, and, and my top three are LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter, right? doesn't necessarily right. mean I'm not on others, but I just don't use them heavily. Why? Because the life is so busy, you, you cannot be everywhere. You could try. You cannot be everywhere. So you choose what works for you and what is relevant for you and maybe where your audience really is. Uh, doesn't necessarily mean that others are useless, right? I mean, um, I have to say, you know, Tumblr is highly powerful. When it comes to um, very specific industries, uh, Pinterest is extremely powerful, right? Sephora has a way bigger community on Facebook, but they're way more engaged and they buy 15 times more. People who are in their Pinterest communities buy 15 times um, the the products that their Facebook community, even though Pinterest community is much smaller, right? So you have to look at the business impact. So first, play with it. Figure it out for yourself. See what it offers that other social networks that you're kind of familiar with don't offer. And, and that will give you a really good sense of how your business might engage. You know, the second one, look, look at the numbers. Look at the business impact. Because, again, if you work for a company, you cannot possibly do it all. You cannot go to your management and say, well, I need another X amount of dollars so I can figure this out and run some campaigns here or hire a community right. manager to, to manage this, right? It's just you have to make some sort of a business case for it. But it doesn't necessarily mean that – you can dip your uh, toe in the water and try it out, right? And and really and really understand where where this community partic particularly can take you. You might be surprised. It might be really highly engaged. So you might choose. Well, look, we'll engage on it organically, but not as heavily as we're going to invest in somewhere else, right? So and and again, but what I do keep telling people is, you know, social networks are all great, right? It's, it's conversations at scale, and if you keep up with them and you really, truly listen to folks, you can build some amazing, passionate communities and the reach that you've never, never dreamed about. I mean, just look at uh, Spanish, uh, Spanish police, right? In, in Spain, their, their mm -hmm. Twitter handle is the destination to build a relationship with the community. Uh, they have more followers than FBI globally, right? I mean, these guys really, That's truly amazing. adopted the network and not just use it to push out information, but use it to, to really, truly use it as a hotline for tips. As and, and they told community, we want you to be comfortable with talking to us. So if, if government in Spain can do it, I mean, can you imagine the opportunities? There's just a lot of people doing it wrong, right? They use it as a broadcast channel. 
But, you know, once you figure that business case out, then you need to, to figure out, you know, how, how do you have, how do you put resources against that? But the biggest thing, too, is, is understanding what the infrastructure or the tools you put together can do for you, right? You, there's, and, and, you know, I know it's bits of serving, uh, working for Sprinkler, which is literally the unified platform for all of your customer experience management, right, and journey. But I'm looking at, at the companies that use us the right way, and they have, they have all those networks. Some of the companies, they're present and have communities in all those networks. And by sheer presence of the right workflows and tools and, and, and governance built in and, and the rules engine and portions of it, not all of it, right, but portions of it being automated, especially when it comes to, you know, listening or identifying specific profiles so you can right. engage with people in relevant ways. You know, if you have all that, if you have the people, if you have the processes, you know, and you have the right tools, if you've done it right, I don't think there is an issue to really jump in and try to understand whether this actually is something that works for you, especially if you have metrics and KPIs on the back end. So, so you know, my answer I know is, is a bit blurry, but I think you need to look at what is possible, try it out, what do you think the business case might be, and obviously you need to look at what what people you have in place, what resources you might need, how do you put the processes in place, and will the processes and culture that you currently have in place allow you to do so, right? But so so it's it's the, the answer is a bit wishy-washy because every company and every person is different, and you need to truly look at what it is that you want to do, who do you want to engage with, and again, go back to very very much basics, right? Marketing basics, which is okay. does it make sense? Who, what, where? <laughs> and, you know, I mean, all the all these things that we've known for you know for a long time. Oh, exactly. And but I think you bring up a really interesting point that at the end of the day, if you are trying to do this visual storytelling and use use these tools and networks within your company to tell your brand story, somebody has to give you the money or the resources to get it done. And That's right. as a matter of fact, the way to get that done is actually storytelling in and of itself, right? Exactly. So, you know, I come I come from a product development background and and uh, you know, everything from product design through to testing things after the developers are done with it. And and you know, how that has evolved over the years from just you know, talking about this field does that and you need to have this in the database, is now you have to be able to articulate the user story, right? And, and so I, I think it's really an amazing shift in our thinking is to figure out how to tell that story so that we can even get approval, you know, to do some of the testing that needs to be done. So the next chapter of your book uh, shifts from talking about the platforms themselves, the social networks, and how you do that storytelling on each one, because it's different, um, to actually talking about uh, creating a roadmap, creating a strategy, right? A visual storytelling roadmap that takes you all the way from the strategy through to implementation. And, and again, this is a, a huge part of the book of, of laying out 50 pages of, of, of how do you get this done. Yeah, so I mean, look, just like I said, you know, you got to go back to basics. And so you uh, th there's definitely the specifics that you need to consider for for storytelling, but the reality is um it's very much is, you know, who kind of like when I say 
when people say, you know, what should marketers, what is one thing marketers should pay attention to, or the question is usually shaped differently. And I always say, look, it's all about connection. It's all about relevance. And what does that mean? That means you got to reach the right people, the right time, in the right place with the, uh, with the right message, um, you know, or relevant message, um, you know, at the right time. So, so the, the reality is, that sort of you can call whatever you want a relevance personalization, um, but that is what our clients and customers expect from us to really truly do it. You got to go back to basics. What is my objective? Who I need to connect with? What what should that look like? How am I going to get there? And and why? Right? Why am I doing that? Again, go back to the objectives, and we probably should ask why more so than, than, than more often than we we usually do. But but how do I tie back? this to my not just business outcomes but back to who I am right if I go and tell a story about product launch that's one thing but should I go even even broader should I tell a story of my our values our culture what we believe in why we exist those are the stories that are most relevant most impactful and those are the ones that do go viral and if not viral they really truly um connect with with people more so than than anything else now i'm not saying that you have to be entertaining or humorous or create another you know short film that's worthy of an oscar right um what i'm saying mm-hmm. is you you really need to figure out what it is that that where is that value what is it that you want to tell um, your communities and and how you're going to do it. It mightn't just be that some of your stories are purely educational, and the value of them is to show people to make their lives easier and show them the how, right? Which is very useful, but at the same time, they might not be as entertaining. You might think, well, it is a commercial that really, truly drives back to what we believe in. Like they, my favorite Thai. Um, uh, True Move, the Thai telecom company that that's done a number of commercials over the past several years, and their very first one is still my favorite. That literally a story, three-minute story that will make you cry and put any Hollywood movie to shame. That talks about hey, the, the the message that they communicate is the giving is the best sort of communication, right? The giving is 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 why we're here. So it's not pushing a plan or product. It's really truly saying look. Our values align with your human values. Um, that's why we're here. That's why we exist, right? So, so it, it could be an infographic. It could be, you know, snackable content, you know, real short, snippy visual content that you put on social networks. You know, at Intel we used to do because we knew our audiences were nerds. Right? I mean, that's what it is. We, you know, we, we were all nerds, you know, working at Intel, with Intel, for Intel, right? Like, you know, it's just, right. you know, any, any one of our communities were pretty, pretty darn, um, you know, curious, and, and they either they were developers or uh, engineers or, um, you know, and it was just fine. And I keep telling people, you know, when I say that people laugh, I go, don't laugh. Nerd is the new sexy, right? That's what it is. And so, but, but, but we've, understood our audience so on twitter for example we did the whole series of visuals with a hashtag did you know so we would actually throw in really cool interesting facts that not just the nerdy folks like myself would like to know but just anybody so for example did you know that one in every four lobsters is actually blue and not red 
right? This type of stuff is really, really fun, but we've, we've really truly understood our communities. We listened to them, we talked to them, and we knew what resonated. So whatever that form or strategy your storytelling is taking, you've got to take it back to, again, who do you connect with? Why do you do that? What is the you know, ultimate goal? And the ultimate goal, if it's not being customer-centric and, and people-focused and really to humanize your brand, then you're probably doing it wrong, right? So, um, so again, no uh, magic bullet there, but very, very, very much the basics we all know or should know. Right, right. Well, you know, and as you move into the the last part of the book, uh, the final chapter really focuses on, you know, again, once you've mastered all all of the basics and laid down the foundation and and really um, figured out the right channels, whether it's for you personally to build your own brand uh, using visual storytelling or your company's uh, brand or or just one of the products. Um, now it's time to figure out how do, how do we do this in a real-time um, world and, and where, where everything is transitioning uh, to visual. Although I, I do want to interject here. It's very interesting, Ekaterina. I, I'm on the board of a company that has um, – they have amassed uh, a large library of videos and images for the travel industry, and the travel industry is uh, where I have come from. And when, when they first asked me to be on their board four years ago, um, you know, I kind of thought, well, gosh, this must be, you know, a fairly saturated field. And surely Expedia and Travelocity and Priceline and Marriott and all of these brands use video. So, you know, what's the big deal? Well, I found out no one in, in the travel industry of all places where it is such an emotive storytelling rich kind of a product that they weren't even using video. So, you know, I think we have to kind of step back and and say, you know, what is going to grab someone to listen to our story? You know, sometimes also the best solutions are the simplest ones. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, and that's where your um, the company you're on the board of, right? That's where they they figured it out. Uh, I, you know, it's um, it's it's very, it it's interesting um, how you think some of the most innovative companies would figure certain things out, and they haven't. And I think a lot of issue with that is because the bigger the company gets or becomes the tougher it is to really continue to stay innovative and actually notice the the gaps out there in the market that you could have been bridging that you're not bridging. Um, right. So, you know, that is the reason when we talk about my first book, you know, Think Like Zach, and it's not just, you know, have, uh, it doesn't just have Facebook as an example, but every single one of those companies I talked to um, when I was writing this book, they all said that that they one of the biggest worries of them as leaders, and you know Zuckerberg you know, really worries about it every single day, and he admits it. Right? Is how do you stay? How do you keep the culture that allowed you to grow in a, into such a successful business? Which is how do you continue to stay agile and real time? and relevant and really, truly innovative and not turn into a bureaucratic behemoth, right, that, that doesn't, doesn't really, it's like every time you need to, to turn or pivot, pivot, it's like turning a big tanker. So, 
So definitely, I think a lot of companies realize that the, the bigger you get, the tougher it, it's going to be. Um, it's it's a different solution for every company, how they address it or sort of the fight, sort of becoming that bureaucratic machine. But um, but I, I think there's there's very simple cultural things you should have in place that allow people to become an entrepreneur, right? That allow them to innovate. Facebook has hackathons, right? 3M um, and then Google later stole that has a 15% program, which is uh, which is allow people to um, innovate and use 15% of their time, work time to work on the interesting ideas and innovations and bring it to front. I mean, gosh, uh, Post-it notes came out of that program and now making billions of dollars for 3M years later, right? So, so it, I think it, it's it's simply allowing your employees in a variety of ways to really truly bring their ideas, their creative ideas forward and and, and execute on on some of them. So, right, right. Well, Ekaterina, it has just been jam-packed. <laughs> we have talked about so much and uh, you know again we have been talking about the book The Power of Visual Storytelling. How to use visuals, videos, and social media to market your brand. And hey, can read how can how can folks find you? What's the best place to follow you? Because you know when I asked you earlier um, you know, how can people stay up with things? Uh, you know one of the obvious ways is to follow someone like you. So, so how do they do that? Well, I'm I'm definitely honored that that uh, you would point me out. But um, there is there is, um, you know, basically when I tell people um, how to connect with me, I say Google.com is my is my business card. I'm not the first one to say <laughs> that. Um, but but it's it's really truly uh, the the you know, the way, um, you can connect with me on my website, com. You can connect with me on Twitter, you know, Facebook, LinkedIn. I, I do respond to inquiries if you send me any. Um, but that, those are, you know, where, where all the platforms actually work. So whatever you feel comfortable with, um, I'm there. So just Google my name. You should be able to, to find me. Well, and again, for those people who are uh, working on creating a personal brand. I, I think, again, you're an excellent model for that. And, uh, you know, since my first uh, book is being published this summer, I have to uh, get with you personally to figure out how you have accomplished some of the things that you've done because, um, you know, the way that you show up when, when you were Googled, I thought I had a great presence until I saw yours. And it's like, whew, I have to figure that one out. <laughs> But but I am I am eternally curious and uh, you know I, I uh, am very very interested in this particular topic. So, Ekaterina, thank you so so much for sharing your Friday with us, and uh, enjoy your last couple of days home before you get back on the road. Well, thank you for having me, Chicky. It was absolutely lovely to have this conversation with you and to to those who listen to us. Thank you so much and for your time. And hopefully, we were able to add value. That's all we can hope for. Well, absolutely. So, so as we close, I just will ask you one question: What's next for you? <laughs> you know what? I I, I I used to have a five-year plan, and I was I was able to lay it out. Nowadays. 
I look at a variety of different things. I have a ton of passion projects always going on besides sort of my full-time job and working with clients. Um, so I I don't think I'm going to answer that question because I – not because I don't want to, right, or I keep it close to my chest. It's because I always look at opportunities that come up and ideas that come to my come, come into my head, you know, in real time. It's, uh, you know, for this year what's next for me is continue to work with clients on digital transformation and really truly advancing – um, the vision of how they should be connecting with clients, what the uh, customer experience management approach and strategy should look like. So that's one. Second one, I'm working with my daughter, who is eight, um, on publishing several children's books, which is extremely um, fun project and very passionate. We will be self-publishing them. Um, we have a fantastic illustrator working with us. So, you know, that's uh, very much a focus for me, writing another um, industry-focused relating book that's that's in the process uh etc i mean i have <laughs> the list goes on but um you know uh i you know we talked about living the life to the fullest and that's what we're doing so you know th- these are the the sort of immediate goals for me this year um but otherwise it's whatever comes along oh that is wonderful well in my fictional book entitled the game changer the CEO uh, very much wants you on his board. <laughs> so I'll just <laughs> leave it at that. <laughs> as soon as the book is available, I will definitely send you your copy. And thank you so, so much for supporting uh, the Game Changer Network, uh, the show, and for allowing me to tell a part of your story uh, in my upcoming book and, and for joining us today. It has been a real treat. It, it was My pleasure was all mine. Thank you. All right, my dear. Have a great weekend. You as well.